Welcome to the Lori Clark Show. My next guest is Julie Kennedy Smith. She is a friend of mine, and um, I am super excited to have this conversation today. She is formally trained in kinesiology and psychology, and for the last decade, she has worked in family services to educate and support young moms in the Sea to Sky Corridor through the Birth Baby and Beyond program. Now, as she watches her own children leave the nest, she is starting a new chapter, hoping to bring her much-tested wisdom to parents and teenagers, as well as to continue to share her story and bring awareness to the realities of surviving, recovering, and living with a brain injury. This is my friend, and I want to share this story with you today that can spark hope. If you're feeling like you don't have hope, tag into this story. You'll find some here on the Lori Clark Show. Let's get at it. I just want to say um, thank you for, for coming on today to bring awareness to this because <laughs> it is my belief that every time someone shares a story from a personal experience, it sparks hope in someone else because mm. someone who has a brain injury or just had an injury to their brain is probably thinking, what is going to happen to me in 10 years? Absolutely. What does 15 years look like down the road? Yeah. And so what you can offer us all today is an insight into this, to what this is, how it plays itself out. What happened? Spring, February of 2005, Ben and I have part of our love of um, one thing we have always loved to do is snowboard together since we were really young. Um, his friend was visiting from Ontario and we wanted to take him up Mount Seymour to show him, you know, BC mountains. Yeah. And um, so we got a sitter. And at the time we had a three and a half year old, a two year old and a 11 month old. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so it was rare for us to ever even get out, but we found a sitter that day and we took Nate up to Mount Seymour and uh, it was a beautiful sunny day, spring day. And Ben went to put his helmet on. And and again, keep in mind, all of these stories have been told to me over and over and over. So I don't recall this. This is just what I've been told. Okay. Okay. So Ben went to put a helmet on and I looked at him apparently and said, why are you going to wear a helmet today? It's like, gorgeous, sunny, beautiful. And of course, part of me was probably thinking, I want to look kind of cute in my toque. Give me a break. But that's the God honest truth right there. I want to look cute snowboarding. So he's like, babe, if you, if you were to hit your head today, it would be like hitting concrete. So long story short, famous last words, two and a half hours later, I guess, I had a really awful fall. Um, Ben was not there to witness the fall, but his friend Nate was there and saw the fall. And apparently I was just going quite fast down, down a slope. So I probably didn't have to hike. I probably didn't want to hike. I caught my backside edge and it threw me physically onto the back of my skull. So it kind of threw me into the air where it, my my back of my skull caught my fall, flipped me over onto my face. And I was apparently kind of going down like, again, spring conditions. So like, yeah, ice and little, probably little pebbles and little bits of, um, anyways, 
And that's where um, Nate got to me. I guess I was crying or screaming for the kids. I was still conscious. Um, once Ben got to me, I was going in and out of consciousness. Uh, and there was, a, I think, a young guy there that helped get ski patrol. And then the rest is just like absolute mayhem. They were trying to keep me uh, close. They had to cut my clothes off on the mountain uh, just to keep me going, I guess. I was in and out of consciousness and out of consciousness and got me to Lionsgate Hospital. And then, I mean, the rest is, I was there for a long time. <laughs> yeah. How long were you in the hospital for? Uh, six weeks total, uh, inpatient. And then I was discharged to GF Strong, which is a rehabilitation center uh, over in Vancouver. And I was there on an outpatient basis. So I was in neurocritical care. I don't know the timeline with that. Then I was transferred to kind of a rehabilitation ward at Lionsgate, where I had to learn to walk, talk, write, uh, cook, remember my children properly remember Ben properly, like look through photo albums and really realize, oh yeah, I am a part of that family. Like it was gone. Memories gone. So back us up. Do you yeah. remember anything about the hospital about being there? Zero. I have absolutely zero memory, not one. And I've tried like, this is the crazy part. So keep in mind the the hard part for the brain injured. There's so many hard parts. Sure. But one of the hardest parts, and as I'm starting to talk to a few more people about this, is that you have no memory. So yeah. traumatic brain injuries are different than concussions, and I, I, I want to talk about that later. But a traumatic brain injury is your brain has been injured so badly, the trauma to your brain, right? It's shaken, it's bleeding, whatever. I did not have a bleed, which is a, is a miracle in and of itself. The doctor said to Ben over and over, I cannot believe given how she's presenting that she does not have a major bleed on her brain. I was thinking we were going to have to go in. I was thinking this was going to be the end of her. My brain was obviously swollen and, and traumatized, but it did not bleed. Um, but the hard part is, is that I wanted to talk about it. I wanted to know what happened because I didn't remember. And my, my, my increments of my memory were literally only one minute. And it's like, then you turn the computer off and turn it back on. I'd ask the same question, turn the computer on, turn it back on. And the, I guess the nurses kept saying to Ben, stop answering her because this will just loop. Like, stop. She's going to ask you that same question 55 times. So just stop answering her. And Ben's like, okay, she's, she's going to be pissed, but okay. All right. That's my ticket. And, and my jerk husband, excuse me. Ben, did you hear that? It's I love you. I love you. But my dear husband thought it'd be fun to maybe play some games. And so, of course, people are sending flowers. And, you know, he's like, oh, I see you. You got my flowers. Those flowers were not from him. Those flowers were from somebody else until I started to write stuff down and be like, you, you, you did not need those flowers. Send those flowers, Betty. Right. So anyways, he didn't want to talk about it. No, he didn't. He's, he still does not like talking oh, about it. I know. I so know. that's hard, right? Because you're like, you're my missing piece. You're my link to what I think is my memory. And he kept saying, babe, you want to remember. And I so desperately am trying to forget. So here we are at a loss. Nobody else can tell me what's happening or what's going on or what happened there. 
And I have tried to bring things to the surface. I've tried, I've tried to remember being at Mount Seymour. I've gone back to Mount Seymour on a chairlift by myself and closed my eyes and tried to bring things. It's not there. Two years are gone. Absolutely, completely blank. I remember we had just seen each other. Hmm. And we had just been, so Tate was two at the time. Right. So I think we were visiting because all of the kids were in that, right? Oh, yeah. There was five kids under the age of three and a half at that point for us. Yes, it was. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember. Um, Mm -hmm. And I got a phone call. Mm. And I answered the phone and I was, it was Ben. And I said, Ben, what, how are you? He's like, I just need to tell you that um, Julie's been in an accident and um, she was talking about you. Mm. Like we had just seen each other. It was, so what really was interesting to me is it's not that I held such a special place in your life. I know I did. You did. Yeah. But that wasn't it. Yeah. I think the interesting part about a brain injury is that is, it's those memories that, that you can't select that memory, can you? No. So the fact that you were in critical care mm-hmm. saying something to Ben about me yeah. was weird. Yeah. And that's exactly it. It's the, it, was, it would have been literally whatever was in my brain those, those days, few days leading up. I would have been trying to make sense of that, or I would have, I was still stuck there, to be honest. I was still stuck the year before. They kept saying, you know, the date, right? And I kept saying February, whatever, the year before. And they're like, no. Wow. It's February this, like 2005. Okay. So, but truth was 11 months old. Mm -hmm. So that, did you remember having him? No. Because if you were going back a year, that's one month off of when yeah. the baby boy was born. His birth is gone in my memory, which is sad for me. And we just found his birth tape just last week. So I'll, it was, anyways, I have no memory of Truth's birth and I have no memory of Oak's birth. So my boys are gone because they're in that two-year span. For those people who are friends of yours, mm-hmm. who noticed the change in who you were, Mm-hmm. How did that work? Well, it was difficult because I can tell you right now, and again, this has been told to me, but we, I, I lost numerous people. Oh and prior to, prior to my brain injury, well, you knew me. So it's so interesting because lots of people in my life now, they didn't know me before, right? Oh. So they have no reference. They're like, oh, well, this is you. This is who, who you are. And no, 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 no. But previous to my fall, I, I did a lot for a lot of people. Yes, you did. I loved to serve, which I still do, but now I just have some boundaries. But it was it was go, go, go. I can do it. I've got you. I've got everybody. I've got the whole world. As a, detri- as a complete detriment to myself, which I can see now, obviously, in a, in a clearer brain. Um, but when I fell, I could no longer do that. I and I tried, but I failed over. And I just felt like crap all the time. Cause I was like, wait, what is wrong with me? Like my body is fine. 
but I can't, I can't multitask like that anymore. I can't go and just make a meal for this person and do this and this and this. I can't do that anymore. And people didn't like it. Some people couldn't handle me not being that person. Fair enough. That's all they knew. But they... Well, I'm speaking from a person that's known you for 25 years. (laughs) And I'm just saying that it... I had to move to a different level of understanding about you. Yeah. And I remember that day that we stood at your island after you had learned to, you know, write and speak and... Mm -hmm. You know, and I, and you desperately wanted that normalcy. I remember that feeling. You said, I just need you to come over. I, I don't know how long uh, you should come. Yes. So how long and how much, because when there's too much noise, my brain hurts and then I got to go and then you have to leave. So like literally then, like I got to go. It's not even like a warning. It's like, I'm out. Well, I know. And I was just going to say like, for those people who are, in the throes of managing a relationship with someone like this, I have mm. such clear memories of this. Mm. And I remember standing at the island. Yeah. Now, I seem to remember we made it for like a couple hours. It was really weird because Ben kept touching base. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like this, he was just feeling in. Yeah. For making me coffee, you were wearing a, oh, and you found out you were pregnant. You were pregnant with, you were pregnant at that point with Oki. Wrong with me. (laughs) I remember you looking at me and your, your, your ab, your uterus was showing, it was sweat, your abdomen was swollen with child. (laughs) With child. You were wearing a gray tunic and you were standing with your back to me and you said I don't know how to do this yeah I don't know how to be and you were really hard like you Mm -hmm. had um you had put a layer of protection Mm -hmm. because I didn't understand Julie yeah I didn't I knew that you had to learn how to connect your body to Mm -hmm. your brain by walking and reading and writing. But I didn't know. And I knew Ben was having a hard time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I didn't understand that when you looked at me and it was in that moment that I saw all your pain. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, I got to ask her. And so I said to you, can you move into sadness at all? Mm-hmm. And you said, if no. I go to sadness, I am not coming back. Yeah, 100%. And I wish I remember that conversation. I can feel that when you're, when you're saying that. I can, I can sense in my heart that deep grief um, because it's still there. It's, 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 it's a healthy grief now. And this is one of the most difficult parts when you are talking to TBI survivors. The most difficult part is this is why they call us the walking wounded. You look at somebody with a traumatic brain injury and they've now gotten out of the hospital. They look whole and their bodies are intact and the scars have healed, the outer scars. And everybody's like, sweet, you're back. Right. Look at you. You recovered. Oh my gosh. Julie's back. This is awesome. Okay, back to normal. So you know the expectation. 
Yeah. You like you're not a dummy. You know everybody. You hear people talking. They just want you back. They just want you to be Julie. They just want you to be the friend, the mother, the daughter, the sister, the wife that you were before. And you're the only one that knows that ain't ever going to happen. But how do you even begin to one, wrap your own mind around that? Because you're dead. I knew intuitively when I hear you say that story, and I will tell my story of the three-year point after, but in that moment, I knew I was dead. I knew she died. I know. And yet somehow I'm still here in body. I am not here in spirit, in mind, in I am in body, but my nothing about me was the same. Nothing. I knew I had a husband and I knew I had three kids that I needed to take care of. And I knew now I'm going to have this baby. Yeah. But nothing about me was still there. And the shame, and, and people say, why would you ever feel ashamed? You didn't do this to yourself. This, this was an accident. Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> oh, that mountain of shame and guilt. I know. Just shame. Because if they all think I can be her, and they're all rooting for me, and they're all saying, you're there. You're her. Here she is. And you know every time you're not measuring up, well, you're going to bed with the heap and world of shame on your shoulders because you know you're a fraud. I'm a fraud. And so when you tell that story, I can only tell you that I don't remember having that conversation, but knowing that if I did go there at that fresh, that soon, I can go there now all day long, no problem. But that's that fresh after I was still trying to be her. And I didn't yet know I had to go reckon with her and let her die for me to release and move on with who I am now. Like I had to reckon with that girl. Yeah. Well, that's hard for me. (laughs) It's hard for me too. No, but it was. Listen, the most freeing thing I ever did was let her die. I had to let her go. She was a, she was like a monkey on my back, that Julie. <laughs> I love that girl, but man, she was a monkey on my back until I was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm letting, I'm not only letting everybody in my life down by trying to be her, I am letting myself down and she is going to take me under. So explain that because. This is so fascinating to me. Okay. That you were in such vulnerability. You were so, so frightened. And so, so frightened. and I remember that. Mm-hmm. At that moment at the island, we lasted like two hours and the kids were really quiet because they knew this yeah. was a really pivotal moment. And we unpacked it a little bit and you showed yeah. me the pain, but we could only go Yes. So far. Yeah. But you did say to me, the Julie that you knew Mm -hmm. is dead to me. Yeah. Can you accept me? Yeah. In whatever form I become. Hmm. Yeah. And I said, well, I'm standing here at your effing island. So I think. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you did. (laughs) And Honestly, Lori, that's the thing. Like, I don't remember. And Ben would say in those moments, 
your real, this is when your real people, they show up. And with this, it's so hard because you, you guys, you had to show up and you had to take the risk. You had to be vulnerable. That's the thing. Vulnerability. It's a a hard thing. And as you've said, I've always been a big believer in it. You've got to, you got to tell your, you got to, you got to share your shit. You have to be willing to enter in. Yeah. And also share the high, the low, the beauty. Now I can share all of that all day long and be in that with people. But unfortunately for me in that time, there were some people that could not. And at that moment, that was an incredibly painful truth. Like looking at me, staring me in the face and saying, I don't, basically, I don't don't want you. I I don't love you. I, I, I can't handle, handle you. So I'm out. Now I can say, I get it. Now in hindsight, I'm like, that was a lot to take that, you know, that that's a big ask. They had their own shit going on. But in that moment, that was tragic for me because all of a sudden I had to be like, as I did to you, obviously, can you handle this? And I'm positive. There weren't many people that I could even have said those words to Lori. I mean, you have always been somebody I could just say the God honest truth. And I know you're just like, boom, no problem. I've got you or, Hey, you know, but I could always speak the truth to you. That those, those, those words sitting in that and then knowing that, but then also people looking at you from the outside and being like, there she is. Oh, she's fine. Oh, da da da. And, and needing to feel, sorry, they didn't put it on me. That was my own fault. Constantly what trying to be her. What was your own fault? Constantly trying to be somebody I wasn't. Because only I knew that. Yeah. In fairness to some people around me, they didn't know my brain was still fried and rattled. And they didn't know my spirit had been completely ripped apart. But Julie, they didn't ask. No. Yeah. And so and so I, I, I just like, we're, we're dropping this because I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's true. I'm sorry. They didn't want to this yeah. is not, no, 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 no. Yeah. Okay. And I, I'm going to let you know that as someone that's walked this journey with you, that's bullshit. And it's great to, to sort of uh, try to couch that and even make it sound great. Uh, but it's not true. Yeah. So, so right. love is love and yeah. love does not hurt. Yeah. Period. Period. And so love doesn't hurt when you're in a friendship and it doesn't hurt when you're in a marriage and it doesn't hurt when you're in a partnership. It doesn't hurt when you're, it doesn't hurt yourself. Love, love comes in and can feel uncomfortable. Yeah, 100%. But it has to, it has the underlying desire for your greatness. Yeah. Yes. And, and it sees you. Mm-hmm. So the, the two people that you're discussing, the old Julie, let's call her the old Julie. Yeah, I call her her <laughs> I refer to the old Julie as her. her her okay so her yeah I knew her I yeah, fell yeah. in love with her yeah I you know when Dave introduced me to you yeah I remember I looked at Dave and I said uh she is not your best friend now step back <laughs> <I'm> fine <laughs> 
Yeah. Good riddance, Dave. Yeah, good riddance, Dave. And I remember we said that, I think. Yeah, yeah, we did. Bye, Dave. See you later. And she would be saying to me, well, you saw Julie? Yeah. Yeah, she's not your best friend anymore. She's mine. Don't get me wrong. She was, she was awesome. I do. I remember that when I met you in those years, I, I mean, she was, she was high octane. She was high octane. She was fun. Oh, she was the life of the party. And yeah, she was yeah. a force of nature. Yeah. She was unbridled. Yeah. She was a risk taker. <laughs> who did not put herself first. hundred percent. And I knew that. And I fell in love with the Julie that was like, oh my gosh, I'll, I will do this for you right now. Hold on. And yeah. it would be done. So when she died, mm-hmm. I didn't see a separateness, Julie. Mm. I don't see that. Thank you. You know what I see? What? I see a woman who is vulnerable, unfiltered, mm. centered and grounded. And I see a woman who has matured very quickly Mm. and who understands that it took a brain injury to drop her into her center. Yeah. hundred percent, 100 percent. And this is the thing, you know, people will hear me say this and you knew me then. And, but people will hear me say this now is that, um, you have two choices in life, right? I mean, I mean, you do. Yeah, you, these these types of things come into your life, and we will all have them. Whether it's a brain injury, an illness, loss of job, it, it doesn't matter. We will all have something that will rock us. We may have multiple things that will rock us, but this this particular thing for me was so defining because I can look at my brain injury, and that actually the greatest gift. To me personally, because what it has done, one, it's caused me to live one day at a time. And that is not just, that's not the the funny slogan. That's not the quote on your wall. No, No. that is the literal. I literally live one day at a time. And here's the thing. When I start to try and plan two weeks from now, seven months from now, six years from now, and even as Ben, and that is a frustrating part. Like I'm well aware there are frustrating parts about being my husband, my children, sorry, a mother, my friends, there are frustrating parts. I forget freaking everything. And some people will say, oh no, but I do too, Julie. I'm like, oh, I'm so thankful you're trying to like make me feel better. It's different. Yeah. Like when I forget, I forget. And I can't physically move past sometimes next week. I'm I'm just done. It doesn't actually work. It's not that I'm just saying, oh, I'm living in the moment. No, I can't. I can't live next week. So when people are trying to get me to plan, like come, um, you can't live next week because it's, it's, what does it feel like, Julie? Is it in the brain? Stop. It literally, my brain goes, no. Oh, like I hear it scream. No. When people are trying to get me to put things on a calendar for a month and I will, Obviously, things like this. This is perfect. Hey, we're gonna do a podcast on this day. Uh, hey, we're gonna we're gonna go work out this day. I can put that on the calendar and go, okay. But it does bring up something in me where it's like, whew, okay, because it's not just today. Yes. But I still celebrate today. 
I did all the recycling. I got all my kids and it's different now. My kids are older. They're all self-sufficient. Not one of my children anymore need me. I don't meet any of their physical needs anymore. Obviously. So I still celebrate though, like, oh, I've got a lot of stuff done today. Now that to-do list to you or to some of my friends might be like, oh, wow. Wow. Julie. A to-do list for me. <laughs> well done, Julie. Well done, Jukes. Pat, pat yourself on the back. But for me, yeah. it's big. It's still like awesome. I, and my brain's not fried. I'm happy in my heart. Uh, and I feel free. So yeah. that's what it had to come to. As long as I was trying to still be her and knowing full well she's gone. She's gone. Okay, so how do you get there? So when someone has a brain injury, does that happen to most people? Uh, I'm going to tell you, it is the thing I tell. So when I now meet like fresh survivors of TBS, when I meet people who aren't like 20 years or 15 years, one of the first things I share with them is the day I let myself die. You said, I have to reckon with her. Oh yeah. So here's, I have the day I, I went to reckon with her. So because I'd been pregnant with Oak soon after I hadn't gotten back on a snowboard, obviously I, I got pregnant really quick with Oak. Then obviously life hit. I had a baby. I had these four kids under the age of five and a half. Um, so I had missed a couple seasons on a snowboard and I think everybody was kind of relieved about that. I think people were like, do you not let that woman back on a snowboard? But I loved snowboarding. Like I, I, Ben and I loved snowboarding and this was one thing that I had started to think, oh my goodness, am I actually not going to ever get on a snowboard again? Like everybody's telling me I shouldn't, I don't freaking remember that day. And maybe that's a gift. I'm going back there and I need to go back and reckon with her because if I do not let her go, I am going to go through life feeling like a failure, feeling shame, feeling guilt feeling like I'm not enough because I'll, I'm never. And so now this is three years after. Okay. And I'm now knowing, Oh wow. I'm really never going to be her. This is three years now. Cause I think I kind of thought probably in that conversation with you at the Island, I was probably still kind of thinking, but it's still so fresh, but these memories are going to come back. And even though the doctors were saying, you may never remember Julie, like some, some, Some people get memories back even five years later or 10 years later. Some people will never have those memories. I I guess I'm one of those people. Um, But I knew three years after that I was done. I was done trying to be her. And so I said to Ben, we're going to Mount Seymour. And you're good. I'm going to get back on my snowboard and I'm going to go reckon with her. I need to let her go because if I don't, I'll never be whole. Whatever whole meant to me, I will never, ever. It was like she had me on a leash. It's like she had a noose around my neck. And I can physically see it. It's interesting because I don't remember these times, but I can physically, when I talk about that time, I can physically just see my own self on my back with a noose around my neck. And I knew I am. I'm done with her. 
you know what, as, as great as she was, and, and I also knew then things started to come back where I still know I was fun. I still knew I could be a life of a party. I still, I still knew that the loving, empathetic, compassionate Julie was still in there. I just knew she needed to have some freaking boundaries. But I couldn't even do that until I let her go. So we went to Mount Seymour. Again, Ben doesn't really talk a whole lot about this, but he was probably like, oh, shit, we're going back there. Oh, here we go. Okay, she's, and I think he probably thought he was going to like maybe trail me and like, okay, I'm going to follow her and be with her. And we got there and I was like, okay, I'll see you later. And I need to do this for me. I didn't want to do it for him. I didn't need to do it for my kids or, or my friends. I needed to do it for me. And so I went off into, I think it was kind of blizzardy. Like, I don't think it was a very nice day. And I <laughs> screamed. And I'm sure people around me were like, what in the F? <laughs> Who let the crazy up here on Mount Seymour? But I wailed. Like, I mean, I screamed. And I'm not a yeller. Like, I, I actually, I'm going through some things right now where I'm realizing I need to tap into my angry side. Mm-hmm. That's okay. that. Yeah, I'm getting there. It's actually a really cool experience, but it's also a little uncomfortable. But yeah. I'm not an angry person. So screaming, guttural, like screaming, yelling, that's not natural for me. It's not a natural thing. But I did that day. Wow. And I was like, you and the mountain, you're not going to take me. No. You don't get to have me. No. You are dead to me. You're gone. I am releasing you. Yes. You need to go. Leave me alone. I. Julie, I am letting you go. And Let I that shit go. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I yelled it. I had to say it out loud. Yes. As I weave myself, I don't know how fast or how slow, or I don't, I don't remember that part. All I remember is coming to the end of that day and thinking, one, hell yeah, I'm going to snowboard again. I love the feeling of that. <laughs> what the frick? Don't tell me I'm not going to get on that board again. And two, she was gone. And when I say gone, I mean dead. And I, and I, I don't take that like, people are like, oh, Julie, we say stuff like that. Oh, no, no, I say stuff like that. Mm-hmm. She's dead. Yep. In order for me to start new life, new growth, you have to new ways, I got to let that girl go. You were grieving over something that you couldn't have anymore. No. I couldn't have it anymore. She could, she for the life of me. And, and Lori, I tried everything for three years to get her back. I know. I actually really liked her. I know. At the time, I really liked her. She is a bit effed up with the, some of her stuff, but. Yeah, no. I really I, liked I her. I agree with that statement. Right? Yeah. But so what I realized in the health of all of it was, Julie, you can still take all the good of her and incorporate that into who you want to be moving forward and who you actually are, not just who you want to be, but who is the core of you since you were a child? Here are the beautiful traits and the character qualities that you encompass. But now you're going to let all that crap go. So you're going to leave room for new stuff to come in. And when people when I tell people this story, especially TBI survivors or people who've had really horrific accidents, that they're no longer in their bodies the same, in their brains the same. I tell them that story because I say, as long, and and everyone will have their own time. I don't ever want to put my stuff on someone else. Like you've said, we all have our stories. You'll you'll talk to somebody else with a TBI who have a completely different story. 
But the number one thing that I would say is in these types of injuries where your brain isn't going to be the same, it's just not. It, it's not a broken arm that will heal the same. Your brain will not be the same or, 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 or a quadriplegic or somebody whose body is broken and will never be the same. As long as we're clinging to those people, we will never be able to move on. We won't. So when I talk to these young people or older people who are still so trying to be that person and I see it in them and, and, and the absolute um, conflict, conflict. Thank you. That they are the inner turmoil of, but, but I, I just want to be him. I know you do. And, and what I want to say to them is, I know you do more than anyone in this world. I know you do. Yeah. But until you acknowledge that he's gone, until you reckon with him, you will not have the freedom to move into who you are now meant to be. Can you speak to someone who would say, I don't want to let her, I don't want to let him go because I'm afraid that I will have no identity because I was, like you said, the life of the party. I was that person. People, I'd walk in a room and everybody would go, Jay! like that was who you were. Yeah, yeah. Was there fear that who, if this person comes out, what if they're quiet? What yeah. if they're this introvert? What if they're this introvert? That was, that's my biggest fear if I'm being honest. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't want to be an introvert. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what I would say to that, Lori? This is how I knew I was ready. How? The, sh the shame of not being her outweighed the fear of not being her. So all the shame I was feeling, yes, of not being her. Yes. I came to a point where... I didn't give an F about the fear anymore because there was fear. Exactly what you said. What if I go to that first party and people are like, what? Yeah. What yeah. happened to her? Yeah. Who is she? And, I, and that is a big fear. Of course, because you're like, I haven't, I haven't been allowed to be around people. I've been, like you said, Ben was super careful about who got to see me. And they had to be. Who, you know, like I had, a, I had a barricade of people who were like, you get in, you don't get in. You get in, you don't get in. And I actually found a letter begging Ben. This could actually make me cry. I lost my journal of my brain injured year. I left it on an Air Canada flight. Gutted, devastated. It had everything. It had all of my feelings, all of my fears, all of my, and my everything. And I left it on a freaking plane. But, that's but at the time, that was devastating because that's all I had. I didn't have anybody who wanted to talk about it. I didn't have anybody saying you were feeling this, you were doing this. But I found a page ripped out of some journal to Ben from the hospital saying a bunch of things. I love you. I'm proud of you. Thank you for taking care of our children. Please don't take everybody away from me. Please. I need people. Please, please don't take begging him. And obviously I was feeling like he was probably, as he should have been, very picky about who got access to me because obviously I, I didn't have a lot, I didn't have enough capacity. It was the stress of it all. Stress. I can't believe I got in with three kids. 
Yeah, you did. The fact you got past Ben, honey, says a lot. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. Um, but I know to be true that there were only a few people that maybe were on that list that he was like, okay, I know she, they're not going to drain her. They're going to let her be who she yeah. is. And he acknowledged that I was different. And he, I think he was quite happy about it. He's not an extrovert. So he's like, sweet. We don't have to go to parties anymore. <laughs> we don't have to go to like festivals and all of these things. Actually, the peony, she can't go to any of that crap. Sweet, I have a, a wife who's going to actually just want to stay home with me and just cuddle. <laughs> Poor Ben. Poor Ben. That didn't last very long. <laughs> so, so let's talk about... What was the emotion for you as a mother connected to your children and the brain injury? So this is obviously, this is, you know, it's, it's so interesting, Laurie. And again, you've known me a long time, but um, let's just, I'll just, I'll let you in on something. When they release you from the hospital, apparently they give you a list of 10 things that you should not, as a brain injured person, or actually more for your caregiver. So they probably gave the list to Ben. Here's a list of 10 things that could trigger your loved one. And, and the thing about brain injuries is there is a gamut. So their biggest fear, often brain traumatic TBI survivors struggle with super erratic, angry outbursts, like violent, and because they sna we snap. Okay. So one of their biggest fears, I believe, was you have three kids. This is before pregnant with Oak. Three kids under the age of four. What? How on earth is she going to handle this? I was not allowed to be released from the hospital until Ben had hired a caregiver. I was not allowed to be with my children alone for the first six months. Because there was a fear that if I put them in the tub, this is just an example. I remember And that. I walked away, I'd forget that they were in there. Or if I put a burner on and I walked away like to make mac and cheese... I'd walk away, it's, it's on and the, the kids touch the fire. So I think they were pretty concerned about this. But number two, number two on the list of brain injured, things that make them snap yeah. is, is a crying baby. So <laughs> apparently when I told the neurologist or Ben told them that we were now having another baby, I think there were some choice words. I think there was probably the word idiots. What the Fs? Like, do you not understand your wife's condition? She potentially could throw that baby out the window. And not not as a like metaphor, not as a no, oh, no, like, throw like the baby out the window. No, like, no, like yes. Oak, you're crying. Whew, out you go. Right, because the brain, because what, what we're not understanding, and I can't wait to get more insight in this, but what we're not understanding about this is that you don't have that logical, mm -mm. it doesn't move you, it doesn't move you. No. Nope. Like you say, you're in the present. And so, so when a feeling arises, you're acting it. You're acting it immediately. That is so different than my personality. Again, oh, I right. I am a slow mover. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm a slow processor. Even before my injury, yep. I take time to think about things. Yep. I don't. I don't 
I take time to think. It's why even in my fights, you know, in the early years with Ben, he'd be yelling like, just say something, like just fight with me. And I'd be like, no, I really need to think before I speak. Because if I say those words, like I'm a slow processor. Yep. That's not the case with a brain injury. So they were very worried about my kids. Of course, I was worried about my kids. I prided myself on being an amazing mom. I really did. Before I had my brain injury, I felt like I was an amazing mom. I was attentive. I was, I was patient. I was kind. I was present. I got on their level. Um, I was exhausted, of course, but I felt like I'm actually a really freaking good mom. So you talk about identity. Yeah. And I hit my head and they say, I'm so sorry. You're not allowed to be with your children alone. What the frick? Yeah. That's, I'm, not, I'm not allowed it's to be it's a mother <laughs> to my children. And you're going to hire someone to come and take care of them and me to protect my children from me. Basically, <laughs> that was, and I could cry about it now. That was a very hard pill to swallow. Well, what did you do with it, though? What was your processing on that? I think if I, I and again, unfortunately, I don't remember a lot other than I can feel it in my spirit right now. I, I was probably the, the guilt. So this is a theme for me as well. I, guilt's a big one for me. Yes. And I still feel guilty about not wearing a helmet that day. Now, I hit my head so hard. It may not have done a whole lot of good, but it would have helped something. I believe in helmet awareness. That's a whole nother thing. Wear a helmet. Um, however, I feel a lot of guilt about my kids having to grow up with a brain injured mom. Now we joke a lot about it. You know, our family, we are the queens and kings of inappropriate humor. And we still are. And as they become adults, it's just gotten worse. <laughs> Not actually even right. And we couldn't have half of the jokes on the show, but no. When I hear my kids, even as they would grow up, they'd say, I'd hear them to their friends. Hey, you got to quiet down. My mom has a brain injury. Mm -hmm. Hey, 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 hey. No, no, no. You know, we're going to go outside because that's too loud. Like, don't bounce that ball like that. My mom's a brain injury. And I would kind of be like, oh, that's, that's, that's cool. But also be like, oh, I hate that for them. Mm -hmm. What I hate for my children and especially for my daughters out of this brain injury. And this is where the emotion comes. And this is it's a beautiful thing and it's a hard thing altogether is we all have trauma, Lori. You and I have talked so much about trauma, so much about trauma. My girls, they remember the day their mother did not come home. They remember not knowing, like, when, when is my primary caregiver coming home? Where is she? What happened? And as much as they can say, you know, there were people around explaining it to us or protecting us from it, when they would lay their heads on the pillows, especially my little Ireland who was stuck to my side, she didn't let me out of her sight as a baby. No. Journey was always carefree. Journey was always like, sure, I'll hang out with you. I'll be with you. You want to chat? But Irie was always su super suspect of people. Yeah. Didn't trust anybody. No. So for me to be gone, yeah. And for that little girl, that little two and a half year old to cry herself to sleep at night, Ben was amazing. Everyone tells me how incredibly was during that time, but he's not mom. No, he could have been like 
God's gift to everything. He's still not mom. No. So when I think about that time for them, and I think about how they felt, she's, she's not here. When is she coming home? And then they do see her and they're like, what did you do with my mom? Yeah. Like, imagine the confusion for little children looking at this person who's there, but that smile, hi, hi, everybody. But they're intuitive. They're like, what'd you do with my mom? So the emotion around it still to this day is my kids suffered huge trauma at the hand of me. Now, people would say, you're so hard on yourself. You didn't do it on purpose. I'm not saying I did it on purpose. I'm not saying I fell to have this huge life lesson. I'm just being real in saying my husband, my babies suffered huge the day that I hit my head. It wasn't just me. I've suffered huge. But what my little family suffered, even if they don't remember, even if truth is 11 months old, still nursing, primary nursing, never had a bottle. No, never. I remember that. He was ripped away from his primary caregiver, his mother. What, what does that do to them? And you know what does. I mean, if you're aware, if you're willing to go there, which I am and you are. Yeah. You're well aware that that will have lasting effects on your children, on your family, on, on, on your children's children, unless we start to really dig in, which we've had to dig in. Yeah. So how that must have been so horrifying. That horrifying. And Ben said, you know, you remember when I used to scrapbook? Like, you remember when I used to make those, like... I have scrapbooks and scrapbooks. No. And scrapbooks. <laughs> so weird. But to me now, now I'm like, I was a freaking scrapbook. I have a phone call. You're coming over for scrapbooking. And oh, I'm like, ew, no. <laughs> yeah, you jerk. See, no, I left that part of her happily behind. Yeah, but I, and you said, you're coming over for scrapbooking, even if you just sit and watch me scrapbook. <laughs> and I did. Oh. Well, that's so fun, Lori, just watching me scrapbook. What the frick is wrong with me? But those scrapbooks, I will say, because I guess they told Ben, bring everything into the hospital. You, did, did she have photo albums? He's like, she has scrapbooks. Like, yeah. So I guess I spent hours just looking over. Oh, yeah. Okay, there I am. Okay, there I am tobogganing with my girls. Okay, there we are in Florida with, with the kids. Oh, okay, like. It helped me piece back to the fact that I was their mother. Okay, and one second. Did yep. it stick when you looked at it the first time, or did you repeat? Have, oh. I had to repeat and repeat and repeat. And I knew I had kids, obviously. Ben said when they got to me on the mountain, I was screaming for the children. I was going out of under. I was starting to go under, yep. but I was screaming for the kids. Um, so obviously I hit my head and maybe that, that was the last memory. Like you said, I'd been with my kids. We got to the mountain. I'm screaming for the kids. Now, when I came to consciousness, it was blurry. I think I knew Ben and I think I knew I had kids, but again, my brain was on, was on a loop and it was minute. It was a minute loop. Do you know where you are? Uh, Yes. And do you know what day is? Then I would do the date and then it would loop again. No, Julie, that's not, that's not right. Like loop, wow. loop, loop. So I couldn't retain my children. Right. I couldn't think about, but I think if, if I, if I, 
and this is, this is just a thought, this is not an actual memory, but I think in the darkness of the night in the hospital room, I am sure, and I mean, I was leaking. I was still oh, I know. baby. So they would have to bring the maternity pump down from the maternity ward, hook me up like a cow, like pump so that I wouldn't get mastitis, but there's no baby. No, there's no baby anywhere around. So I can only imagine that that mother instinct was devastated and, and, and mortified. And again, then the shame comes in, Julie, what on earth? Like you need to be with your babies. This is, you know, this is not who you are, you know? And I know that I was my worst enemy Yeah. because I shamed myself. This is not who you are. Big self-talk. This is not who you are. You know who you are. Mustered up, girl. You're a strong woman. Let's Get back go. to your kid. You got this. Well, that didn't serve me either. No. That did not serve me. So knowing, like my emotion, I know for me, the first process was this. In my journey to, to the reckoning, those days leading up to the reckoning were, who do I know at the core of who I am, who do I know me to be? And then I started to write who that was. Not the superficial crap. I mean, I still wanted to be a life of the party, but that was the superficial stuff. Who do I know me to be? Just like you said, Lori, previously, this, Julie, is who you are and it's in your DNA. But I had to start to write those things down so I could look on a piece of paper because it would go and it, it would come and then it would leave me. It would come and then the shame would come in and then the guilt would come in. No, Julie, come back to these things. Who do you know yourself to be? What is the truth? And when I could then build and, and, and I would look at that list and go, you know what? I can work with that. Because I know those things, those traits, those characters, I can still be those things. That didn't feel like a work to me. But the other crap, there were a few things I crossed off because I was like, no, nope. I I, yeah, exactly. I think that's who I was or should be. Was that serving me prior to? Probably no. not. Okay, that's got to go. That's got to go. And I knew that I needed to make, put my family first, which was, you know, it's silly to say, but that was the first time in my life I actually started to put my family first because I put everybody else first. You're right. I didn't have the energy for everyone else. I didn't even have the energy for my own, my own self, my own family. It's gone. I was the energizer bunny before I had my accident. I was probably annoyingly so energetic. And now all of a sudden, I didn't have that anymore. So when I say about a fraud, like I often talk about the fraud, leading up to the reckoning, I felt like a fraud because I wasn't her, but, but I was still trying to be her for everyone else and myself and my husband. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so powerful. It's so powerful. It's, it, it, you know, <laughs> As traumatic as this is, there's not many people in the, in the world that can say that they've been able to be reborn. Exactly. They've been able to go back and say, well, I'm getting rid of fear. Like you actually were able to because of the vulnerability and the rawness of your injury, you mm -hmm. were able to put inside of your own brain what you wanted to do. Yeah. That is. And what I want it to be. I, I, I must say, and I know you talk about her, 
Mm-hmm. But Julie, I don't see those two things as separate. Mm. She has left you with the goodness, mm-hmm. with the power of, you are a person who loves to inspire, mm. but you've always been that woman. Mm. And you've always taken your pain mm-hmm. and you've always shared it with others. Mm. Always. Mm-hmm. Very true. She gave me the gift of this. Totally. I, I just don't want to be her. No. Right. So this is the beauty of it. I, I, I needed like be able to decipher it between the two because it was so fresh in letting her go. I had to kind of be ruthless with her. Yes. So when I mean, I let her go. It's kind of like when, when someone dies who we love so much, we don't want to forget them, but we have to grieve them. And sometimes we're upset and we, we go through the angry stage. And the beautiful part now for me is that I'm grateful to her. I'm, I'm grateful to her. Of course, at the time, I didn't like her because she was making me be who I wasn't anymore. Right. But they were not convinced when I was brought into the ER that I would survive. And Ben was told by a social worker and he, she was preparing him to tell his children that their mother was dead, I know. that their mother was gone. And so when we received the due date of Oak, it was literally the day, his due date was the day that I, so life and death, what a crazy thing. And I believe in all of that, but the day that I almost died is the day that he was to be born. And um, anyways, that is, that was so significant to me. Cause even though I knew that this was probably not the most ideal thing to everybody else, here was this little life inside of me that reminded me I was still alive. Uh, that's so beautiful. You were still alive and you were still able to create a life. And that probably gave you the gumption to say, and I will create a life for myself. Like exactly. you have. Now, so then you had your son, Oak, and you don't remember the birth. Mm-mm. That is what's crazy. How is that? Like, how do you... I feel... Like, so this is the thing about the brain that is so crazy to me. I will have a memory of something that is completely random, absolutely completely random, but yet really significant things that I would hope and wish I could remember are just not there. Obviously, the birth of both my children, my boys, that's something you want to remember. Yes. Not there. Gone. Um, my, so many things that year. So this is the thing about storytelling. That's why stories are so important too. It's why it's probably, it's maybe what drives Ben a bit crazy, but my life exists around stories. Two years of my life, it exists around stories. I drive my kids crazy because I still take photos of them all the time for fear I may not remember. So yeah, I know you're so sick of me having my iPhone in your face. Guess what? I don't care. Because I want to remember your blue hair. I want to remember you going up on that mountain and conquering a fear. You'll remember that for the rest of your life. I won't. So pictures, stories, they're so important. So that's the weird thing about long-term, short-term. And now no term. That two years. What my brain decides it wants to keep, it keeps. And, And because I don't have control... Like you don't, you don't no. control what you remember, what you don't remember how much I, one day you have bandwidth for, or you don't. And I know that there's obviously things that I know that are implemented every day. I get a lot of sleep. I go to bed at nine o'clock every night. And if I don't, I'm screwed the next day. 
So I go to bed at nine o'clock, 9.30 every night because brains, people who suffer from concussions, brain injuries, whatever, they need sleep. I drink a crap load of water every day, every single day. Like there's just things that I do, but then there's things I have no control over. No control over if, if we have a bit more stress in our lives going on internally. Yeah. Well, my brain, it's going to take these stressors, let's say with my kids or whatnot. And then all the other crap, unfortunately, just goes away, goes away. I had to get the word grace tattooed on my body. I saw it on your wrist. It's right there. I had to. Multiple reasons why. One, I believe in mother, in mothering, in a motherhood. We have to be able to extend grace to ourselves and to our children and just in general. There has to be copious amounts of grace given and received on a daily basis multiple times, right? Yes. What I sucked at before I hit my head was giving it to myself. So I could give it all the live long day to you, to my husband, to my family, to my children. But I, for the life of me, could not give it to myself. And when you're failing constantly in your own eyes on a daily basis, there is no room for grace. So on that day of reckoning, for me, the word that kept coming back for myself, not for everybody else, was grace, grace, grace. And I still, Lori, have to give myself that permission when I know, because there are still days where I'm like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I blew that off today. I forgot that. Guilt instantly seeps in still to this day. When I forget something that's not even major to other people, but that's just not my personality. I show up for people. So if it's if it's something that I feel like they think I blew off, I just have to say to myself, whether they can receive this or not, I need to receive grace for myself, knowing my intention was not to blow them off. You know, I just forgot. Well, you forgot. Remember, remember? I forgot the podcast last week. <laughs> <laughs> but I was well, like, you did actually forget the show, Julie. I was like, oh, shit. I had it on multiple calendars I multiple. and you knew me and you but you did that very cycle with me and I said to you and I just said to you flat out enough stop and stop yeah. this nonsense I know it was perfect you're so good that way because you're like stop it I I just said cut it, it out yeah <laughs> We have another Monday. There's more in the year here, June. Not this good, but I know what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I know what you're saying. I know. I know you know what I'm saying. Brain injury or no brain injury, we are all just doing the freaking best we can with what we have. And you don't know a brain injured person walking down the street. That's part of it. When you pass me on the street, you're not going, oh, you know what? Poor thing. She's really st- suffering. Now, you knew me back then, so you could look me dead in the eyes and be like, oh, crap. She's going under. She is going under. But the average person, even people who knew me well, they were still like, oh, 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 she, oh, oh, oh. You know? And so the grace that I now give myself and that we need to give people with TBIs, if you've just said, it do- don't 
make it about you. Don't take it personally because they're already sitting in the shame and the guilt and they know what they've done and they know what they can't do. I'll never forget the first day I met you. Mm. And, um, and I do honestly say I, I, I literally, there's not very many people in my life that I've just looked at and went, I love you. Mm. Feeling is mutual. Thank you, Dave. (laughs) Thank you, Dave. Um, And it was beautiful. Thank you, Laurie. I am just. (laughs) You're making me cry. Yeah, well, that's the way it is. Because Mm -hmm. you've risen in a way that many people are trying to figure out how to do. Mm. And that's why when I get someone on this show that that brings in the heart of why I began this in the first place. Mm. Every story matters. Every person has a story. And that the whole premise is you can tell your story. Yeah. And it can change one person's life. Absolutely. Well, guess what? You changed mine in this conversation. Mm. So (laughs) thank you. I've learned that we can give ourselves permission to say, you know what? We get to shed that person. Yeah. We get to shed our choices. We can't run away from it. Mm -mm. No, but we get to say, I'm going to let you go. Yeah. In order to bring out my new life. Yeah. And you've impacted me about grace and that it's actually self-care. Mm-hmm. It is. And even just what you just said right there, I wanted to end with this. The most beautiful thing for me is that I got a second chance. I've had multiple chances, but this was my big, this is the big one. And, and I say now, like I, I do get to, like, I love life and you know that about me and I still love it. And it looks different now. Yeah. But I still freaking, I'm a, I'm a lover of life. And, and part of that is because I get to. Yes. I get to. Yes. I get to see these beautiful children grow up. I almost didn't get to do that. I get to live in these beautiful mountains. I get to sit in the shit, if you will. I get to. And then I get to get out. Mm-hmm. I get to get myself. Nobody else is doing that for me. I get to get myself out of that and there's nothing more empowering than acknowledging that you get to you choose it and you get to and I choose brain injury and all to look at this as a gift it is it is my great it is my greatest gift other than my children my family I can say with all authenticity and all honesty it was and to this day is my greatest gift That's it. So getting to share my story, Lori, on these platforms, it is so important for me because I want to give that to others. And again, it will look different. My friends in the TBI community, we, we, we laugh a little bit. I don't have many because we actually all forget each other exists and then we don't talk to each other. (laughs) People are like, oh, you must have had like all these friends. You're like, I I don't know. (laughs) I think I did. I'm not sure. But I've recently connected with, with a friend and we are, an, we are an unlikely pairing, we are. 
he is a 26-year-old pro snowboarder who he's 20 he's 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 the age of a child he, i'm old enough to be his mom and my son truth connected us because he's friends with him through the snowboard and skateboard community but it has been the most beautiful gift because i can look at him i'm a 48-year-old mother of four he is a like cool amazing skate snowboard pro but we can look across the table from each other and there is a level of i get it like there is no more beautiful gift than looking someone in the eyes and going i get it and knowing they get it okay. no other words need even to be said you're feeling dark today you're feeling like a failure today oh i get it you're going to that place today oh i get it so there's even that, that power of that community, even if it's one person, right? One person. And that's why this is important. And you giving me the opportunity to share my story to one person who will listen to this, who's either going through it or caregiving some, for somebody who's going through it. We have to do that. You know, we, we have to. Yes. And we get to. So thank you. Thank you for having me. And I love you. Oh. <laughs> And I love that you remember stuff that I don't. It's actually quite awesome. We got to get the awareness out there. We've got to get we've got to get the vulnerability out there. Oh yes. We've we've got to get we've got to get the muddy, mucky, mire, messy in our world of fancy Instagram and everything looks perfect. No, we need to get some of these stories out there that say you can have both. You can have the mess, the gross, the mire. And then you can have the beauty and what, but that's, that depends on you, whatever your definition of beauty is, that depends on you, but you can have both. We actually need to learn to live in both. It's that tension. We got to learn to live in it. So then I can start to impart that stuff to my kids or other people who are struggling with, I've had my whole identity stripped from me. I've had everything taken away from me. Now what? I don't know. But if we start talking about it, we'll build a community of people who will walk alongside you that said, your story is different than mine, but I know what you're feeling. I know that feeling of being stripped to like the utter nakedness. You talk about naked, shame, guilt, all of it. But I can tell you that you can rise from that. You sure can. It's going to be the hardest thing you'll ever do. But you can. And you will. And you will. Exactly. <laughs> I just wish I could hug you. Oh, it's killing me. I'm quick and call that. Um, I love you. I love you too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.